Welcome to the Program Pod. A production from the RCBC Podcast Network that offers a first-hand perspective from an RCBC student, faculty member, and employer. Hello and welcome to the Program Pod, a production of the RCBC Podcast Network where we take an RCBC program and do a deep dive from three different perspectives, faculty, student, and employer. Thanks for joining the conversation with me, your host, Jay Varga. And for today's episode, we're talking all things law and public service, plus honoring and showing our appreciation for Women's History Month with an all-female guest panel. With me today, we have Helen Hull, a 3 plus 1 RCBC Law and Justice alum now working as a senior clerk typist for the New Jersey State Parole Board, Dr. Amber Sicanti, a law and justice professor here at RCBC with an extensive background as a police officer, detective, and sergeant for the Willingboro Police Department, as well as experience in both private security and private investigations. And also, Sherry Sandler, manager of the New Jersey State Parole Board's Community Division and coordinator of the Board's Office of Gender Services. As RCBC embraces a student philosopher, student first philosophy will get us right eventually. We have another exceptional student sharing their story about how RCBC helped provide the stepping stones into landing her new career in law and justice. Helen, welcome to the show. Thank you. You're quite welcome. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience studying law and justice here at RCBC? Uh, like you said, I work at the State Parole Board now for New Jersey. I'm in the Special Operations Group, so we deal with fugitive apprehension in New Jersey as well as throughout the country for anyone who has a parole warrant from New Jersey. So I definitely get a wide range of stories and not so great stories some days. Um, but like I've had Dr. C as professor and a lot of the things she taught in our policing class with using databases and stuff like that definitely have uh, helped in my day to day since I have to pull some information for my officers as well as Professor Rizzo, he helped with uh, taking us to prisons and showing us community corrections, which led me to picking parole as somewhat of a career path for now. So I'm definitely uh, thankful to both of them for showing us you know, everything that we need and the tools to, for success in law and justice. So is that something when you first came to RCBC, that's what you wanted to do? Or was it until you... You, says, Dr. Sconti's crying over here. I'm crying. I'm waving the tears. She's like a kid, you know, to me. Like, you know, she's my kid. Yeah, when I, uh, when I first applied here, it was definitely law and justice. I didn't know exactly where I wanted to go with it. I always thought forensics. And then Dr. C was like, you know, it's not going to be that riveting. <laughs> so I learned a lot from her classes as well as the other ones and realized that, you know, everyone has a different path. So you don't have to be a police officer and ended up in parole. Dr. Scott, do you want to get a comment on the, the no forensics? Um, no. So we, we just, um, so my um, class, we always play the uh, what's real and what's not as glamorous. I always use the, the CSI shows where they're like hair is blowing in the wind and they have the lab coat on while they're processing. And I'm like, yeah, they don't look like that. <laughs> and that's not what your crime scene looks like. So I give them the real deal. And, and some people that's, that's for them and some people it isn't, but this is the place to find out. Yeah, that's why I think my wife wanted to get into that when she was always watching CSI all the time. She wanted to do that. And I was like, it's not exactly, you know, it's television for a reason. Exactly. It's a little Tell her to take my class and just... <laughs> uh, well, Dr. Sicanti, uh, as always, I defer to the uh, professors when I have them on the show to, you know, um, pick out their student because you already had that kind of connection. What was it about Helen that, you know, you wanted to bring, have her come on the show here? So I had Helen in um, numerous uh, classes. She was also uh, one of my uh, club members, my criminal justice club members. I think you're the president. Is that correct? Or vice president? Something like that. Um, she was one of the officers in my club. Uh, so she, you know, I had a lot of experience with her. She was always uh, very interactive in class and participated. 
Um, she always gets it, like, on, you know, on, like, the first round, you know what I mean? She always really understood things um, as, as I was giving them to her, the information. She, she was able to do some critical thinking, those kinds of things. So I felt like Helen would be um, a very good choice for this podcast. I think she represents the student body well. Yeah, I think so. Obviously, you're out there, you know, working in the field itself. Uh, so can you actually, Dr. Sconti, can you tell us a little bit about your background before you even became here at RCBC? Uh, yeah, so I worked um, a few places, obviously, before um, here. I uh, was a dispatcher for the University of Tennessee Police Department. I worked private security in what's called the Roundhouse um, there. I worked uh, for investigations for the Six Flags Company, a great adventure, did undercover investigations for them. Um, I've worked for, uh, been li licensed and bonded as a private security agent in another state. Worked in mostly government buildings like Power Board, those kinds of things, uh, before getting hired as a police officer. And then I worked for the Willingboro Police Department until I retired. And I held the positions of patrol officer, detective, and also sergeant. Yeah, I don't think I could have fit all that on my piece of paper. When I was <laughs> trying to. <laughs> so, how did you? Uh, transfer all this stuff over into the curriculum now here at RCBC. So RCBC's criminal justice program is a CTE, which means we're, we're a career technical education. Okay. Um, so we um, teach the job. What is the job? What is policing? What is corrections? What are the things you're going to come across? Uh, Helen mentioned some databases. We talk about data mining and those kinds of things, what the job is going to entail. Um, and I like to use my real world experience, as I say, everyone in the criminal justice department here has worked in the business in some aspect, either in corrections or policing or for the courts. So not to cut you off real quick, what's the difference between policing and corrections for someone like myself, just listening? Um, so the police officers are the ones who are out on the street serving the public oh. and um, at times arresting people. Mm -hmm. And then uh, corrections are the officers who work inside the jails and prisons, who carry out whatever sentence was handed down by the court. Okay. And then the data mining, how does that get into play? Uh, like Helen was saying, that she has um, her officers who are chasing fugitives, you know, through New Jersey and possibly in other states, um, learning as much as you can about them and, and their connections and who they're connected to and, and um, anything that could lead to their possible whereabouts and just knowing who you're dealing with. Those kinds of things is, is some of the, the information they can get through the different um, uh, computer programs through data mining. And is that what you do a lot too? Helen? Yep. Yeah. Different, you know, anybody you can think of has information out there. And if they're on the run, you're going to be able to find something on them through those databases or somebody who knows them. So you're saying I can't get away with anything I might want to try in the future? Probably not. Not if Helen's looking for it. <laughs> Noted. Uh, well, Dr. Sconti, like myself, I used to teach right before uh, COVID, and I tried to bring my students out there into the field. Uh, you know, I took them to the radio stations, got taught radio production, hence, you know, doing some of the podcasting. And it seems like their eyes always lit up because they got out of the classroom. Uh, do you think that's, like, really beneficial for, you know, the same thing for your students out there? They get to see it instead of just kind of being, like, uh, book smart of sorts. Um, I do. I think the students would, would rather not be in the classroom every single day if they could, and they would be somewhere else, you know, on some sort of uh, tour or getting exposed. 
um, to some of these other things, but we definitely try to integrate both, you know, classroom learning, the book smarts, as you call it, mm-hmm. um, and then um, adding in our own personal experience and saying, look, this is how it kind of really is, you know, or this is how it applies, especially in this area of the country. In the northeast part of the country is a lot different than mm-hmm. other parts of the country and how law enforcement is done here. Um, and then integrating that with um, different things like going to the, the um visiting a prison like Helen had already mentioned um, my club's been to Divic which is a uh, intelligence center regional intelligence center in Pennsylvania um, they do um, other things we have people come and visit the classroom um, again just to get them exposed to what it's really like like you said yeah yeah look at TV and you think things are one way and then we expose them to real agencies and real people working in the agencies and they see that it's often completely different um, and it's not their fault that they don't know how it really is you know they they haven't ever worked that job before you right. know so we expose them to as many things as we can so they can make the right decision about what they want to to do with the rest of their lives, especially when you're dealing with people and the rights of people and people having a bad day and people who are not good people. And speaking of the field, and I will get to share in a second, we're not leaving you out here. Don't worry. We, go, we got <laughs> you coming up. Um, but so what type of skills do you need? And I can parlay, uh, parlay this question in the sharing in a second uh, to have you know, success in the field, at least come from the instructor and your past experience, too. Um, I think they need to be outgoing people. I think they need to have a little bit of an ego that does protect you in a variety of ways. Um, they need to be responsible people, trustworthy, you know, up there with, you know, these are kind of like all equally as important. Um, they need to work with little to no supervision and be able to do that. Um, you know, have their own kind of self-motivation, obviously good moral character, and they have to have empathy for others because again, we're not seeing people on their best day. We're often seeing them on one of their worst days. Right. And again, here speaking of the field itself, let's finally bring in, uh, the employer angle of the program pod here with Sherry Sandler. And again, thanks for being on the show, Sherry. Thanks for having me. You're quite welcome. So, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you are currently doing? Okay, so I'm the manager of the Community Programs Division for the New Jersey State Parole Board. So our division oversees a network of treatment programs and resources that assist individuals coming out of prison going to parole supervision. So I've been there for over 23 years, and I have to say I absolutely love my job. It's a great agency to work for. It's always good when you love your job. Absolutely. <laughs> so a little birdie told me, actually, before... You got into involved with all that. You're actually over here at RCBC? I was. Uh-huh. I was. So I met Helen at the RCBC Law Enforcement Career Fair. Okay. And I have to say, I was immediately impressed with her attitude and her work ethic. Um, when I saw that she had applied for the State Parole Board Internship Program, I inserted myself because I knew <laughs> I wanted to work with her. She was scheduled to go to a different division, but I managed to pull her to my division by the end of the internship. It was a great experience. I bet. So you got to link up with Helen, obviously, you get involved with our programs here at the, at the, at the college. And we talked during a little, uh, you know, podcast preview, you know, you talked about how, you know, you really thought the program put out a lot of great students. What was it about our program, the RCBC program, that stands out? Well, I think RCBC students have a realistic understanding of how the agencies work together. Um, speaking from the employer perspective, Getting an RCBC student in an internship or in a in a uh, entry level position, they're ready to hit the ground running. They already have um, a reduced learning curve, so that they can dive right into the field work. Um, it's really been a pleasure working with RCBC students. 
So do you have any uh, advice for students that are looking to get into, you know, into the career field? Um, sure, absolutely. So first, uh, always be honest on your applications. That's a part of the process that's taken very seriously. Um, I also think they should keep an open mind when considering the various career paths. Uh, New Jersey's law enforcement agencies offer many non-traditional employment opportunities, um, but it's very noble and rewarding work. Okay. Well, and you say be honest. Where do people tend to tend to lie? Uh, if there's been previous law enforcement contact, um, if you're applying to a law enforcement agency, they're going to do due diligence with the background check. So always be open and honest. It might not be something that would preclude you from having the position, but if you're not honest, that will absolutely knock you out of the box. Right. All that data mining, right? That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Did you want to uh, anything? I know you got to touch on it in a second, too. Um, yeah, I completely agree with with everything Sherry said, and I do. Um, also, we we try to <laughs> we try to be very upfront with our students and say, you know, you need to always be your best self at all times when you're especially presenting to people. And I think yep. Sherry gave a very good example of you know if Helen didn't take the career fair seriously and didn't put her best self forward, she might not have given a good impression. You never know who you're interacting with or who knows who. We say that all the time. You never know who knows who, so you got to watch what you say, right? or watch what you do because somebody is always watching and listening. Um, so I, I, you know, we always try to impress that on our students. We always try to impress them to follow directions, follow directions, follow directions. That's one of the things that um, will get you in this business when they're trying to evaluate, um, you know, are you going to be able to follow directions and make good decisions out in the field? Can you follow directions even leading up to, it, you know, into being hired and those kinds of things? So we always try to prepare them to understand that, they are their best representatives for themselves, and sure. they can be the worst if they're not, um, you know, like I said, putting their best foot forward. Yeah, it's kind of funny. In every career aspect, it seems like it's such a, a huge, you know, uh, network and, and world, but it's really small. And mm -hmm. it seems like everybody knows everybody. Like, you know, I know when I worked in radio broadcasting, I might be working in the Philadelphia market, but I know people in a lot of other markets and stuff too. And that's why I always tell my students, you know, don't, even if, it, if you have a bad experience, even whether it was an internship or something like that, you know, don't go bad mouthing somebody because uh, you never know where it's going to come back to you. People get like, moved around and bumped around and such. Um, but something also came up that I'm not really sure. I guess the thing to look out for when you, you know, you're looking out for the, the skill set itself is also to watch what you put on your social media channels. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> talk about social media a lot. We even have officers, you know, currently working who have issues with what they put on social media. But um, we definitely tell our students, you know, that social media is um, – you know, there's nothing really private. When you work in public or you're trying to work in public, there's no such thing as private. Yep. Everything that you do is is part of the public eye. And, um, you know, we're not telling our students to hide things or pretend you're someone else. We're not giving them that information. But we are telling them is to be very mindful of not only what you put on social media, but what other people are putting on social media. A lot of people have friends on their accounts that they don't even know or they don't know that well. They're not really sure how they became friends. You know, they're like, well, Facebook friends. But I really have no idea who these people are. You know what I mean? And they um, often will post things that aren't appropriate. And that will sink you, too. Yep. You know, is even being associated with people that post things that are inappropriate. Um, discriminatory, you know, insert whatever, you know, adjective in there that's that's going to give you appearance in a bad light. 
you know, it's, I, I had to put myself on private because a lot of my friends want to tag me a bunch of stuff. I'm like, I work for, right. for college and stuff, and I'm not even associated with some of these these parties. Is that something that you look into? Uh, oh, Sherry? absolutely. Yeah, yeah. doing a background check that way too, huh? Every applicant, absolutely. Yeah. Well, obviously, Helen passed her background check on social media and such. <laughs> um, so, Helen, for a recent RCBC grad, what would you tell prospective students looking to get into this study in this career field? Go for it. I mean, if you're scared that you can't pass, you know, a physical test for, you know, being a police officer, a corrections officer, that shouldn't stop you from trying to be in the criminal justice field. I mean, I wasn't too confident that I could pass physical, but I still, you know, persevered. And I was like, you know what, that's not going to be an option for me, but I can look somewhere else. I think people need to be you know, open minded, like we've said before, about the options that are out there. And if you really are invested in, you know, like Dr. C said, wanting to, you know, help people have that empathy for people on their worst days, there's a spot for you if you're really that invested into it. Right. And, and we were talking, again, some of the off subject or um, off the mic stuff before, but you don't always have to carry a gun either. Right. There's, there's so many. Right, there's some plenty, people, some yeah. people think like when they get into law, they have to carry a gun. And no, there's, there's plenty of, of law enforcement positions that you don't have to carry a gun. There's different aspects of civilian positions. Um, the criminal justice system, when you're supposed to be in the three C's, cops, courts and corrections, um, you know, the courts, of course, are, are not typically people who carry guns. But there's a lot even in, in the cop section, right, the policing section and also in corrections that are not, um, you know, where you have to be out arresting people and carrying guns and those kinds of things. So if that's not your cup of tea, as they say, there's Mm -hmm. other positions. Um, Another thing that um, I think people need to remember, and and one of the things I like about being here is that – you know, students like Helen can see that, you know, women can still do this job, right? There's, there's, you know, sometimes you, you, you don't know where people's heads are at right. and, you know, they, they think that, oh, well, this is a man's world and it still kind of is, but, um, you know, women have been breaking the glass ceilings for a long time and women can definitely do all of the positions, including the ones where they're out arresting people. But if that's not what they want to do, then there's plenty of other positions to do, to, you know, to go into. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. And seeing that it is Women's History Month, too, are we seeing that it, the, the roles are expanding, too? Like it's, Oh, like absolutely. It's, There's way from, from the time um, I came into law enforcement, I was like the third, fourth, maybe female hired yeah. in Burlington County. Uh, police officer and there's there's police officers everywhere <laughs> female right. police officers you know in a lot of places and that's just um the way it should be yeah, right absolutely and, um that's awesome you know that's awesome to see that change you know over the past two and a half three decades is there a way to get involved outside the classroom itself like do we have i know you're talking about your club we want to elaborate on that or somewhere to volunteer or you know they want to gain experience like i said somehow outside the classroom Oh, yeah, I do run the Criminal Justice Club, and we've, we do some fun things like the escape room, those kind of things. But we've also worked at a soup kitchen, um, again, to expose the students to um, all kinds of different people. Um, it helps them get rid of some maybe some preconceived notions. Um, some of the students said, I couldn't believe there was whole families in there, you know. And, and yes, this is, this is real life. Let's expose you to real life. Um, they can get involved in that. There's a lot of uh, groups out there, you know, that work with the community, community groups and, and those kinds of things um, that they can get involved in just to get more exposure into, um, you know, especially working with people in general, you know, learning how to talk to people, learning the different things that people go through. Mm-hmm. You know, we often kind of live in our own little bubble. You have to get into other people's bubbles <laughs> to see what other people um you know, deal with every day or how their lives are and the way they were raised or things that they deal with so that, um, you know, you can hit the ground running, as, as Sherry mentioned earlier, with, you know, a career in this in this business. 
Sounds almost like a little psychology involved too. Yeah. There's a, so, yeah. Sociology, sociology human services, Correct. psychology. Yeah. I think. Yeah, absolutely. I recommend joining a professional association um, such as the Middle Atlantic States Correctional Association. So these organizations offer networking and training opportunities to professionals across the related disciplines. It's a great way to meet others working in the field and stay up to date on current issues and trends in the industry. Okay, and how can they get involved that way? Is there like certain Just websites? Go online. Or, yep. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Right. <laughs> yeah, there are professional associations for many, many different career paths and fields and disciplines. It's it's just a great way to meet others, to network, to share information. Um, a lot of folks go to correctional conferences and they find new career opportunities that they didn't know existed. Mm -hmm. So definitely a way to get out of the office, you know, away from the job mm -hmm. and talk with a greater audience. Very nice. I mean, I was part of the Criminal Justice Club with Dr. C, so I already had those uh, lovely connections as well as, you know, if you want an internship, you don't have to do it for school. You can do it, you know, just for life experience. If there's something you're interested in, whether it's parole, whether it's anything, go out and get an internship. Even if it's a couple hours a week, you can still network, meet new people and learn new things. I think that's very important for people to understand that you don't have to do it for credit. You don't have to do it for you know, money. You can just do it for life experience. Life experience is such a underrated value and trade itself. But um, I mean, that's great. Uh, you know, I'm going to thank Phil for all of you uh, pretty much coming on the show here. But as, before I get ready to wrap things up, is there any like final thoughts, words of wisdom from maybe some prospective students or people looking for a career change or anything at all? I would say just come check us out. <laughs> We're here. Um, we have a very good program, and um, it's a good place to, um, you know, get exposure to these kinds of things, you know, from people who are professional and have done their job um, and can guide you the right way. Yes, because I know we're also Professor Rizzo is involved with that, too, and mm -hmm. I get to work upstairs with, you know, Dr. C. and. Uh, <laughs> Professor Rizzo itself. All right. Well, that again, that's going to be doing it for us here on this episode of the program pod. And I hope you enjoyed today's show as I want to thank our guests again today as we honor also Women's History Month, but Helen Hall, the recent three plus one RCBC law and justice alum now working as that senior clerk typist for the New Jersey State Parole Board, Dr. Amber Sicanti, also known as Dr. C, apparently here as a law and justice professor here at RCBC with the extensive background as a police officer, again, detective, sergeant, and uh, the whole rap sheet right? <laughs> <laughs> of everything going down. And of course, Sherry Sandler, manager of the New Jersey State Parole Board's Community Division and uh, coordinator of the board's Office of Gender Services. Once again, I am Jay Varga. And if you want to learn more about RCBC's programs like the Law and Justice Program, you can visit rcbc.edu. Or for other RCBC podcasts we have to offer, you can visit rcbc.edu slash podcast. And also be sure to subscribe to the program pod and any platform where you get your podcasts. And uh, if you're feeling a little kind today, you can also leave that five-star review, smash that like button, as they say. And until next time, thanks for listening. Thanks for coming on the show, everybody. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.